0: Well, hey there, preachers. It's Pastor Brian. I'm on with Pastor Ross and Pastor Scott. We're talking today about uh, sermon number two in our Too Casual series, where we're looking at how it's easy to get too casual with God and reduce His character. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to sin and its consequences. So, Scott, you're the one who took point on this. But before we get into your insights on this particular sermon, Ross, why don't you just real quick connect the dots for us uh, for Number two, uh, last week we talked about uh, God's om- omni- omniscience, and right. this week we're talking about his omnipotence.
1: Right, and so the point of the whole series is really it's about the attributes of God. And so what we're going to try to do for each and one of these attributes of God that we're dealing with, six of them in total, we want to root that in a story as much as we can, or, or a group of stories today that show um, in practical life, kind of what God's attribute looked like. So last week, God knows everything, as Ananias and Sapphira discovered in Acts chapter 5, and today uh, we're talking about God, how God is, is strong. Sometimes we'll be drawing from um, New Testament, sometimes from Old Testament stories, sometimes it'll be focused on the God of the Old Testament, and sometimes it'll be focused on, on Jesus, as it will be today.
0: Okay, so Scott, you you, uh, took the lead on this particular sermon. Why don't you just give us the little two-minute overview, and then we'll kind of dive down into each of the points.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So as you said, this one is on God's omnipotence, so the fact that God is all-powerful. And the way we are approaching this is by looking at a collection of actions by Jesus in one section in Luke chapter 8, um, you have these four events where Jesus performs four miracles, and these four miracles show Jesus and therefore God's complete power and dominion over creation, over evil, evil forces, over um, disease and sickness, and even over death itself. And so, what I really like about this passage is that it puts together um, it puts together how powerful God is um, in, in such a clear way. And so, you know, a lot of times we look at stories, especially from the life of Jesus. We look at one little story from the life of Jesus here. And then next week we'll look at another little story. And this way, what we're doing is probably a little bit more like how Luke intended it to be written. Where We're taking these four miracle stories and looking at them as a, as a whole and learning what this teaches us about God's power, God's omnipotence. And ultimately what that teaches us is that God's got the power to help us through whatever we might face in life, whatever that could possibly be.
0: Okay, and you're calling the sermon World's Strongest Man. So how are you going to, before we jump into each of these key points, how are you going to sort of set the hook? How are you going to open up?
2: Yeah, so uh, World's Strongest Man, I'm pretty excited for this title. I don't know about anyone else. When I think of the World's Strongest Man, I think of those old ESPN competitions for the World's Strongest Man with (laughs) the big Swedish guys uh, throwing tires. Um, So that might be something to bring up. Um, But kind of what I've been thinking is, you know, when you think of like God and the things that God can do, sometimes you think of like superhero kind of traits. And when you think of superhero kind of traits that God has, certainly his power is is one of those things. Um, you know, you can think of Superman and all the power he has. When we talk about God's power, we're talking about something completely different. Um, when I was talking about this with my kids, I was reminded of that line in Aladdin uh, where they talk about being a genie. And it says, if you're a genie, you have phenomenal cosmic power. But itty bitty living space, <laughs> and uh, so the genie's great because the genie can do whatever he wants. But um, you know he lives in a lamp. God, on the other hand, his power means that he can do whatever he wants to do. Whatever he sets his mind to, he can do it. It's not hard for him. He's not bound by anything. Um, you know, he's not. He doesn't have like an Aladdin to tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's totally free. So I think whether it's superhero or Aladdin or World's Strongest Man, I think there's kind of different ways to capture the imagination um, of what we mean when we talk about God's power. And then what really excites me is, you know, we're not giving sort of a dry lecture on omnipotence. It's not like this is a a classroom lecture on here's what omnipotence is, Instead, it's a here's four vivid descriptions of God's omnipotence and God helps real people, and here's how he can help you too.
0: Yeah, that's good and I I think even what you said earlier just that these four little vignettes that we have in Luke chapter 8. So thank you Luke for making this so easy to preach. Mm-hmm. You know, that it mm-hmm. real this this little segment in Luke 8 just really helps illustrate all four of these and and to see the kind of power uh the multifaceted power that God has for us.
2: Yeah, absolutely absolutely it's it's a a great example to take in in the whole and you know one thing that you can point out at some point in the message is that especially the gospels but really all the bible sometimes it's it's better to not, not maybe not better but um sometimes there is value in sort of taking a step back instead of just looking at one story or one paragraph looking at a whole section and say what is this whole section trying to teach me Because you'll have whole sections where Jesus debates the Pharisees, and so sometimes there's a lot more power stepping back and looking at all the debates that Jesus had. And you learn something new about God or His character.
0: Yeah, that's that's
2: really what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, and uh, we should note that I think this is the only time in this series that we're really kind of—it's almost—it's close to a verse by verse through this section of Scripture, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so that's good. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's walk through each of these points, Uh, Scott. You've got four four main points you're going to work through in the sermon. The first one is. It's easy to forget that God's in control, and that comes from Luke 8, 24. Why don't you explain that?
2: Yeah, so each point corresponds to each of the four stories. So this is the story where Jesus and his disciples get into a boat, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They're there on the boat. Jesus takes a nap, and in the midst of this nap, there is a huge storm that that happens that, that just starts up, and this is the kind of thing that would happen, and that happens still today in Israel um, on the sea. Where out of, out of a, a calm day, a huge storm can just come out of nowhere and winds pick up, storms descend on the sea. And what's interesting is the disciples freak out when this happens. And they wake up Jesus and they're shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And what's important to remember about the disciples here is that they, mo- many of them are fishermen. And so they were used to being on the sea. They were used to big storms. And so this had to be a storm of some significant um, size to get them so upset and so freaked out. And so they're panicked, and then Jesus just steps up. He wakes up, and Jesus, it says there in verse 24, says, When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. He stopped the storm, and all was calm. And so you have this amazing uh, picture here where Jesus just stops the storm, and immediately the water just goes calm. And if you've ever been out on the ocean or on a, on a large lake um, in a storm or you watched it um, during a storm, you know that even after a storm ends, the, the water is still rolling for, for a long time afterward, right? It's not like you can just flip a switch and the water goes from choppy to calm. It, hmm. it takes a while to calm down, but it says here it just all goes calm, all at the power of Jesus' word. And so here we see just the, the overwhelming power that God has over creation, over all of creation. And so, you know, you can think of this in a lot. There's a lot of practical ways to tease that out. Like um, I mean, there are natural disasters. There are things that happen like that. And to know that God is all over those, God is bigger um, than those, you know, very real creation, natural disasters. But then there's also just all the storms of life that we face. You know, where's the money going to come from to pay the bills? You know, how am I going to get out of the situation? And in all these situations, God's power is available to us.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine, because we unless we have fishermen in the crowd, your emphasis is going to be a little bit more on the, the figurative storms of life, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, I, and
0: I should say, when I'm looking at your notes here, I think it's also, for anyone preaching this, it's important to kind of pay attention uh, to the sort of the illustrations you're going to use in each of these points, because storms of life versus the next point is about facing evil. There's probably going to be some overlap there if you're not careful, so just you know plan out your illustrations uh, accordingly.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, these the sermons, especially when you get to an application phase, these mm-hmm. things could all all kind of overlap a bit, and that's not terrible. Right. But um, I think it's good in your own mind. Like in my mind, I'm thinking the storms of life, the things that happen in life where we feel overwhelmed or we feel panic.
0: Right. So. Right.
2: Um, but, you know, as much as I might want to talk about health issues, that is going to come up in the third story. So maybe I'm going to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I, I think, like I said, you know, money issues, um, situational problems, relationship issues. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can take that.
0: Yeah. And I think um, what I would do here and Ross, I don't know about you, but I think i I would maybe emphasize feeling, feeling out of control, feeling like. Mm-hmm. feeling like uh, there's no one's in control of this particular aspect of my life right or or of my situation
1: right and also I think steering away from personal um, issues those are maybe better be- better dealt with under the evil part of it um, but saying more with circumstantial issues you know things that that feel like they're very threatening that feel so we can what we can do is we can, enter into the emotional state of the of the disciples in the boat and really kind of connect with them emotionally and then say what are the things that make us feel that way
0: that's good that's good now scott Mm -hmm. i see in your notes that you you it looks like you might be using a story about an 11th century danish king (laughs)
2: I mean, what sermon would be complete without us with such a story. <laughs> uh yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, I never know until Saturday night or Sunday morning sometimes what stories I'll use. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um this the story and and what I would say also one thing um that I I want to do in this point too is also just really get make have people be in awe of God's power in yeah. this moment. Um cuz I really want cuz it says that, um, and we'll, I'm kind of giving away the end a little bit here, but it says <laughs> the, the disciples were like even afraid a yeah. little bit. <laughs> they were like amazed. And so I, just the, the sheer power of God, if I, I believe if we can get that picture in our minds, then we're going to have a lot more um, trust that God can handle our problems, all different kinds of problems. So, um, one way to even illustrate just this power, it, this is this interesting story I came upon this 11th century Danish king um, named Canute. I believe. I haven't looked that up on the line, how to pronounce it, but I don't know <laughs> if anyone knows how to pronounce it. But anyway, um, one day, it, it, the people in his court were flattering him. They were calling him a god. They were calling him all-powerful, you know, all these things that you say to a king to get on his good side. And uh, Canute responded, and he said, I am not a god. And the way he showed his people that he was not a god is he went to the sea, and he told the waves, stop moving. He said, stop moving. And of course, the waves didn't listen to him. They kept on moving, they kept on doing what waves do. And his point was to say, only God has the power to harness nature, only God can stop the waves, and that's exactly what Jesus does in this story. And so if Jesus can do that, you know, what can you do in our lives? That's
0: good. Is, yeah, is the, and I, I
1: think the idea of awe is really good here, because, again, the, the series' uh, theme is too casual, so what's the opposite of that in hmm. this context? What's the opposite response to casualness toward God's power? And a lot of it is going to be, wow. Just like really, really being amazed by by what God can really,
0: do. That's a good point. And what's more casual than going fishing with some buddies, right? So that, that's mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. But even mm-hmm. in that even in that scenario, they they get to see the incredible power of God, and, mm-hmm. and they realize that this isn't just another guy. This isn't just another fishing buddy. All right. The second mm-hmm. point, Scott, you say it's easy to feel helpless in the face in the face of evil. So this is the second story then in Luke chapter eight.
2: Yeah, so in this story, Jesus. so now Jesus gets to the other side of the lake, and as he gets to the other side, there's a man who is possessed by demons, and he sees Jesus, and he freaks out. And so we learn a little bit more about this man. Um, He's been plagued by demons for some time and as a result, he's been running around the countryside naked. Um, when he comes to his senses, the people who are just terrified by him are uh, chaining him up, and he's living in a cemetery, so his whole life has fallen apart, and when Jesus confronts the demonic in him, you, you find out that um, it's not just that there's one demon in there, but it says that he's possessed by a legion, because so, there are many demons in, inside of him, and Jesus Casts out the demons from the man into a um, into a herd of pigs, and the pigs run off into the water and are drowned. And so that's kind of. And then the, the people actually kind of get freaked out and don't really want Jesus to stick around. And um, the man basically converts and, and becomes a believer in, in Jesus. Um, so there's a lot going on in this story. And again, you know, all these um, could could be an art taught on their own as their own sermons, but what we want to show is this other side of god's power his omnipotence that he has power over evil um, and so really what we're focusing on here is his power over the evil things the supernatural forces and even our own sin in our own lives and um, again just like in rebuking the storm and getting it to stop jesus doesn't have to fight and struggle with the demonic he has complete mastery over it complete power over it and so i think one thing for people to know as this we, we, you're preaching to them is that you know there is such a thing as evil there's such a thing that there, there are supernatural forces out in the world whether you you think of them as angels or, or, and demons or some sort of personalities um, you know the Bible makes it very clear that Satan is is real and uh, he's a prowling lion looking for someone to devour so there uh, there is this um, evil that exists um, but in Christ, we have someone who is more powerful, and we don't need to live in fear of evil, fear of the demonic. And, you know, also, I I think, and I'm the first person to make this connection, but even in this man and his plague um, of of being possessed by demons, um, it reminds me a lot of even our own struggle and fight against sin, certainly struggle um, against addiction, sinful habits, where you feel so helpless and feel like there's no way out, like nothing can break the power. And to know that, no, Christ has the power to break the power to break the bonds of sin and evil in our lives, whatever it might be. And if we could turn to him, we can find that victory.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at your notes here and I like what you say. You, you say you know, there's evil in terrorist groups and in governments and vile, you know, bad people around us, but, but you said it's inside each one of us as well. So a good opportunity to, you know, not just say this is there's just evil around the corner and it's all outside of us. It's it's inside of us too. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little opportunity To obviously share the gospel here as well. But Ross, I I have a question for you on this. I know one of the things you like to do when you approach a sermon is you ask yourself, what do I need to explain? And in, in my mind, to uh, a modern-day American listening to this sermon, you might possibly have to explain this idea of supernatural and evil. Is it, are you going to do that in this sermon? Right.
1: That was the question I was going to ask Scott, actually,
0: because related to that, the other,
1: the other question I'm asking in, as I'm preparing a message is, what do I need to prove? Mm. And so, Scott, do you feel like, are you going to try to prove the existence of the demonic, or are you going to assume it? And then, and then, how much are you going to explain the bigger uh, context of that whole? I mean, we have four passages, four four stories, and so we have to be mindful of time. So I'm curious about mm-hmm. how much you feel like you need to either prove and or explain uh, the whole uh, supernatural world.
2: Right, um, not. Not much. I mean, um, mainly because what I think the way to resolve that partially is to say, what's the big point of this message? What's the big point of the sermon? Mm -hmm. And it's really the, the Jesus power, (laughs) the God power focus and what he can do to help us. Um, and so, um, I'm gonna, I, I, it is just so easy to get lost in the weeds. Um, and, you know, even even to bring in like kind of some more current examples of demonic activity that that do happen or, or like kind of um, stories of things that I've been part of uh, just probably will end up being a little distracting or a little just mm-hmm. not exactly the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it, it's probably a lot of a, a lot of saying, hey, there's still evil out there in the world. And Brian, as you just kind of pointed out one of the ways that I do that is to say, it's kind of easy to get people to believe that evil exists, especially when you think of people like terrorists
0: right. or, you know,
2: yeah. governments or certain corporations even. Um, but then to sort of pivot that a little bit and say it's, it's an internal problem too. Hmm. Um, that's a little harder for people to acknowledge. Um, and, and, so I guess Ross, it's a bit assumed it's a, like a super mini theology of the demonic, right. um, just to say that it's out there. But then to get back to Christ is bigger. Right. Guess, is my is my thought.
1: And that illustrates something important about preaching: is that a lot of times, it's, what's just as important is not what we choose to say, but what we choose to not say, mm. and that's a big part of the mm. task.
0: Yeah, and just a reminder yeah, absolutely. to everyone preaching that again, what I do in this at this point is, hey, there's more stuff on supernatural in the Pursue God Library. Cover it with your group or your mentor, and that that's kind of an easy way to uh, to not just sort of dismiss it, you know, but to, mm-hmm. but to encourage people then to dig into it because, you know, maybe it'll turn into a life giving conversation, uh, at a coffee mm-hmm. shop on Tuesday, you know?
2: Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, not to, uh, not to just promote myself, but I, I actually have some videos on Pursue God about, the yes. demonic and their are and too. their activity today yeah. and yeah. and aliens even and, and <laughs> how that all fits together um, and again something else along those lines Ross what a good, you made a good point too um, is this might be I don't know that anyone will actually come up and mention this to you but it's it's interesting that Matthew Mark and Luke all have the story and in Mark and Luke it's the details are very similar. But in the book of Matthew, the one big change is that there's two men that Jesus cast demons out of, not just one. Mm. And that's interesting, and that's – there's there's a whole – that's that's an interesting topic for another time. But that kind of strikes me, Ross, as the, the sort of thing where I, I would – I don't see the advantage of pointing that out and giving a long explanation why Matthew has two and why Mark and Luke have one. Right. Um, it's probably good to know as a preacher in the back of your mind, just in case someone says, "Hey, you know, I read this. this I read this yesterday in Matthew, and it had two. What's <laughs> up with that?" So Those might be good to have it in your mind, right? But I don't really think it's
0: important for the sermon. Yeah, yeah. And before we get to the third point, uh, Ross mentioned that uh, we're already we're at two of four points, and the podcast has already gone for twenty minutes the sermon may have gone for a little while too. So just talk uh-huh. about pace for a second here, Scott, because you've got stories to unpack and then you're, and then, right, and then you're giving these illustrations. Are 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 we uh, thinking we're going pretty quick at this point here through the sermon?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're moving quickly and uh, time flies on podcasts when you're having fun. So um, I'm sure everyone wants us to keep going longer and longer, but uh, yeah, we're moving quickly. Uh, in my notes, I don't have, I'm summarizing these stories for the most part. Mm-hmm. I'm not really reading them all out just for the sake of time. Right. And uh, and probably even when I have a more discerning eye, I might cut out some of the details um, to so focus y- on the big point.
0: So your your slide package doesn't have every, doesn't have this entire text.
2: No, not okay. at all.
0: No. So you're 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 preaching from the Bible, yeah. You're highlighting the story. You're telling the mm-hmm. story. Maybe using a highlighted verse on the screen, mm-hmm. and now you're you're diving into it. That's good. Okay. So the third point then, Scott, is that it's easy to feel hopeless over our per- personal circumstances, and that comes from the next story in Luke.
2: Yeah. So Jesus now comes back to another side of the lake. <laughs> so he's just crisscrossing this lake, and uh, he. He's approached by this man, Jairus, whose daughter is sick and needs help. And so Jesus is on his way to help Jairus' daughter. And in the midst of that, um, a woman who has a, a bleeding issue that um, she's had for 12 years, um, and as she spent all her money trying to get help for doctors and stuff, and she hasn't gotten help, um, she so reaches out and she grabs Jesus' garment, and power goes out from Jesus, we're told, and she's immediately healed and um jesus stops and he says who touched me the disciples are like you got to be kidding what do you mean who touched you where there's a crowd all around you jesus Um, but he does he's not going to move forward and go to help jairus's daughter until he um, has a conversation with this woman so she comes forward and he says in chapter 8 verse 48 daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and so here we have jesus as he's sort of uh he's now demonstrating his Um, his power over our personal circumstances, you know, he, God has the power to heal. God has the power um, to, um, to rescue us physically and even not, not just heal. Maybe like we typically think of it, but long-term challenges we have in our lives, long-term battles that we face. um, God has the power to deliver us from those too.
0: Yeah. And Scott, I love, look at your notes and I really like what you do with the notes here because you're you the gyrus thing is going to come into the last point, but you actually mention it here in this point. Explain that.
2: Well, part of it is, um, just because this is, I mean, I'm following the narrative too. I'm following the story.
0: Right. So I'm, I'm
2: right. kind of doing the same thing that Luke does where we, we hit pause on gyrus and then we meet this woman.
0: Yeah. But what you say, what I like, I'm reading your notes here is, is that he's, if, if you think about the ER, right, if, if, Jairus' oh, right, right. daughter, it seems to him like that's the more pressing need. And Jesus stops for this woman with this other issue that doesn't seem as pressing as his issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that just a yeah. passing thing? Uh, to me, that was a really inter- interesting insight that I see in your notes here.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. If, if you think of it this way, Jairus, uh, he comes into an ER with his daughter. She's dying. Right. I mean, she's got moments to live. Uh, then this woman comes in VR and she has a chronic problem and right. Jesus decides to help the woman with a chronic problem first. Yep. That's just, we we're all, if, if, in that scenario, we'd all be like, what are you doing, Jesus? Right. You know, what, why are you healing this woman? But Jesus has his own purposes and his own plans. Which
0: that's we're That's a gonna, good way to think of... Yeah. Oh, so go ahead. Well, which we're going to see in the next point, right? He, is, he has his own purposes mm-hmm. and plans. I'm sure you, it's, I think it's an interesting way to build to the last point, even while you're developing the third point. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I kind of blew through that tension there, but that tension is there in the story. Yeah, and it even illustrates like even Jesus delaying, I mean, God delaying in healing this woman 12 years so that she can have this moment with Christ where he not only deals with her physical issue, but her mm-hmm. spiritual issue as well. Wow,
0: that's good. Um, right, that's good. It's so really drawn
1: out. My question, Scott, on this point is, the way you frame it in the point is, you say, it's easy to feel hopeless over our personal circumstances. First of all, I love the way that you you connect with people's felt needs in, those, in these points, but this one... Um, the passage is about healing. You framed it in terms of hopelessness. How much are you going to focus on the healing element, and how much are you going to use the healing element as sort of uh, representative of other kinds of issues that people face? Mm.
2: Well, the the hopelessness struck me because I I'm just I really struck by this lady, twelve years, mm. chronic problem, spent all her money. And the, the sense in the passage is that she's just as bad, if not worse off, 12 years later after she spent all her money on doctors. So I'm thinking long-term struggles, um, maybe physical health issues even uh, that people have, and hopelessness in, in sort of like, is God ever going to do anything? Is God ever going to help? Mm. Is God ever going to um, make me better? And it's, it's and you think of this woman, it was so easy for her to just give up and just hmm. say, well, God's not going to do anything, but she kind of gives this one last try and comes to Jesus. And um, in my mind, part of her story here is to say, is to to not give up and not lose hope in God as the healer, um, as the God, as the one who can resolve long-term problems in our lives. Uh, but then you have to strike this balance of, this isn't a promise that God's going to heal every problem we have. Right. Um, and so the the real need that Jesus saw was her spiritual need, and that God is more than willing to help with in the moment for any of us.
0: Yeah, it's good. Good. There's so much in that story. Well, all these stories, you could do a sermon right. on each one of them, but that one in particular is such a powerful story. So, Scott, let's get to the last to the last little vignette. Now we're going to finally get back to Jairus, and you say that it's easy to believe that death is the end.
2: Right, so Jairus' daughter, she's sick, it's not looking good, and Jesus is finally turned uh, away from this lady that he's healed, and now he's going to go help Jairus' daughter, and they say, don't worry about it, she's dead. And um, Jesus and his disciples and Jairus, they go anyway to the house, and they come in, and she's dead, but Jesus says, she's not dead, she's asleep. And everyone laughs at that because that's kind of an interesting time for everyone to break into laughter. But a child has just died, but they do. They know what a a dead child looks like.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, They know that she's not sleeping. She's dead. Uh, Then Jesus takes Jairus and the mother and some of his closest disciples. And in verse 54, we read that he takes um, her by the hand and he says, my child, get up. At that moment, life returns to her and she immediately stood up. And um to me I see this as the capstone miracle that, that God doesn't just have the power over creation, over evil, over our sin, um, over our circumstances, over our you know, whatever trials we go through. God even has the power of of life over death. You know, he, he has the power over death. And he can he can um uh he can turn back death as he raises this girl from the dead. And I can't think of a—I mean, what's a more powerful image of God's power than taking someone who's dead and bringing them back to life. Um, because the one thing we all know is that when someone dies, they stay dead. Right. But in God's power, even that can be reversed. And, um, you know, there's a lot we could say about this too, and depending on how much time we have, we have to be mindful. But certainly this sets us up for a, even a bigger uh, death-to-life Story that's to come mm-hmm, <laughs> and, right. with the death yeah. and resurrection of mm-hmm. Christ, right? And the, and the eventual resurrection of all of God's people, and that you know, even if even if the worst does happen, um, even if death happens, that's not the end of the story because God's got power over death. Mm. Um, now, Scott, so, I notice
0: in your notes that yeah. this section seems the smallest, and I would imagine mm. that um, I, I'm just in. in envisioning myself preaching this sermon. And at this point I, I haven't, I don't have very much time left. Yeah. So, uh-huh. right. I would imagine this, this is probably the easiest one to make your point that he has the power over death. Um, how are you going to wind the sermon down? How are you going to, it looks in your notes, it looks like you're coming back to this theme of, uh, you're kind of using this idea of fear and then just the idea of fearing. Don't, don't be too casual with God, fearing God. Is that how you're ending this one?
2: Yeah, so there's this – I do want to make sure I leave room, and I, I want to encourage you all to do the same. Make sure you leave room at the end because there's this great part in verse 25 where, you know, Jesus asks – we're back on the boat. He's calmed the storm. He says, where is your faith? And the disciples are terrified and amazed, and they say, who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And really, Luke could have put that at the end of all four of these stories. Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Mm. Um, and so, for us, who is this God? And um, turning our too casual attitude toward God and His ability to um, awe—I I, now I'm definitely using that—I took from Ross, and that will find itself in my <laughs> my sermon. Mm. Um, but yeah. Being in awe of God. Who is this? Who is this God that can do all these things? He's one to be in awe of. He's one to trust um, for salvation. He's one mm-hmm. to trust for your problems, bring your situations to. Um, there's a lot of paths to go on, but I just love that question. Who is, who is this Jesus? Who is this God who has this power? And to know that he's for you and on your side and, um, and wants to rescue you uh, should bring all the – yeah, even more awe and, uh, and just a sense of joy.
0: So you end with a personal response to, to trust that, you know, that Jesus is God.
2: Yeah. You like a gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's a gospel call in there Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and and even just for the Christians, um, to say, you know, do you, do you understand who this God is and what his power is and what he can do for you and in your life? Um, and, uh, I, I think probably even a personal story or a, I mean, some, even just, I think probably some here in the, in the last point or in this close, even just to have another, just real practical, whether it's from my life uh, or from someone I'm working with in church, from someone's life of just God um, showing his power. And, and not it and not, doesn't have to be miraculous even, but just, you know, a clear expression of God's power might just be a really nice way to end it.
0: That's um, good. Well, the sermon is called World's Strongest Man. Scott Ross, thanks for uh, helping us unpack this one. For any of you out there that are going to be preaching this, you can find Scott's notes along with other resources at PursueGodNetwork.org. If you just check out our sermon library, that's where you'll find it. Happy preaching.